While the Sharks aren't expected to be very good this season, I have three candidates who I think are primed for bounce-back campaigns this season. That's on Locked on Sharks. Your Locked on Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to Locked On Sharks, the premier hockey podcast covering your favorite team in the Bay Area. My name is J.D. Young, contributor at Inside the Rink. I want to thank you for making Locked On Sharks your first listen, proudly a part of Locked On Network, where we cover your team every day. And if you want to be an everydayer, all you got to do is just follow on wherever you get podcasts. And of course, you can subscribe on YouTube as well. And today we're going to be digging into players who I think are, are primed for bounce back candidates um, this season. And these players are all one, an old friend, and two new faces. Um, but players who I think are primed to have s- some bounce back seasons for them. And um, we're going to start with, of course, our sweet Czech prince, Tomas Hurdle. And it felt like a disappointing season for Tomas Hurdle last year, but it. Was it? I don't. It, it was a little frustrating season, I think, from Hurdle, and you could see it from his his the way he played and the way the the season ended for him. Um, but I think there's plenty of room to grow this season. So last season, Hurdle had in 79 games. Basically, remember he missed three games: two from his suspension and one for the birth of his child. Um, but he had 22 goals, 41 assists, which was a career high in assists uh, for 63 points. Um, and then, and he played 1917 time on ice last year. Compare that to the year before, which everyone thought was a great season from Hurdle. 82 games, he had 30 goals, 34 assists for 64 points. So he was just one point less in three less games. Um, and played 1956. So he did see a little bit of, of time on ice decrease there. But I think there, there's a chance for Hurdle to bounce back to a potential, to actually maybe set a career high of points. Um, so his career high came in 2018-2019, where in 77 games, where he had 35 goals, 39 assists for 74 points. And I think Hurdle could go back to being a 35-40 type of player, 35 goals, 40 assists this season. And it just kind of comes down to, one, him shooting the puck more. Um, last year he saw a huge drop in his shots on goal, um, year. So in that 21, 22 season, he put up 205 shots on goal, uh, last year, 183 while it's, you know, what 30 shots, 30 shots is basic. Uh, that's almost, that's almost a half a shot a game right there. So, um, but the big thing for the sharks is they, the amount of shots that walked out the door this, this off season. So looking back last year. Timo Meyer led the team on shots with 255. Of course, that was 255 in 57 games played. Eric Carlson was second with 209 shots um, in 82 games. The Sharks had a total of shots on goal of 2,415. So I did the math already. That's almost 20% of their shots on goal gone. And now I know you're going to have guys, you know, Guys like Anthony Duclair, uh, Mike Hoffman, William Eklund, uh, you know, Mikel Granlin, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. Plenty of these guys coming in, but I think Eric, I think uh, Timo, 
not Timo. I think Tomas Hurdle, excuse me. Tomas Hurdle is going to be a big benefactor to this vacant shot attempts. And he said it himself that, uh, you know, he thinks he might have kind of passed a little bit too much and was, was you know, kind of giving Timo Meyer a run, right? He's trying to help his buddy get paid, all that fun stuff. Um, I, I think this year we maybe see a little bit more selfish. I don't want to say selfish, but we see a little bit more of a shoot first mentality from Tomas Hurdle um, this season. And another thing that I think that's going to help with Tomas Hurdle um, is last year the Sharks were pretty much a one line team, right? Um, basically, whatever line Timo Meyer was on was good. And then all the other lines kind of struggled. And I think. Grant, the people that are coming in are nowhere near as good as Timo Meyer. Um, but I think the, the top six is going to be a bit deeper. So the skill-wise, not as skilled as having Timo Meyer. But, you know, if William Eklund, um, Anthony Duclair, you have Jacob Peterson, who's going to be in the mix for it, right? Um, you know, like Mike Hoffman, who's whatever, but I still think he, on this team, he's still probably a top six part. Like, you're going to have just more pieces and then of course alexander barabanov the holdover from last year like you're going to have a, a deeper top six not as skilled again tuba myers better than all those players um not as skilled top six but i think you're gonna have a deeper top six that will allow um the sharks not to be so reliant on timo meyer and eric carlson have to do everything especially with both those players gone so what this all means for tomas hurdle is i think he's going to just have kind of maybe some better, better players around him, no matter who is playing with him. Um, again, none of these players are as good as Timo Meyer. I just think they're a little bit deeper uh, when it comes to that department, right? Um, you're not having to kind of remember Matt Nieto played a bunch of top six minutes for the Sharks last year before he was traded. Um, you're not going to have to kind of scramble to try to fill, uh, fill up that second line. So, you know, if, if we go into the season with Couture and, you know, Barabanov, which feels like a very, very good pairing. And then if you want to put Hoffman with them, or you want to put Anthony Duclair, or if you want to put uh, William Ackley, like you you have some options where it's not just going to be a one-line team. Um, so I, I think in, you know, if if Duclair plays with, with if you have Eklund and Hurdle playing together and maybe Duclair as a potential line, Right, you have a little bit of everything on there. We know Duclair's shooting ability. We know Eklund's ability to his vision and his ability to pass. And I think Hurdle can kind of be the glue on that line where, and then he can kind of get those dirty goals. Um, while you have a guy like Anthony Duclair, who's can shoot again, not as good of a shooter as uh, Timo Meyer, but again, Anthony Duclair is a former thirty goal scorer in this league. So. Or if you want to put kind of make hurdle the focus and hurdle be the goal scorer, right? A guy again, a guy like William Eklund on that line. And then if you want to put maybe a Mike Hoffman or a Jacob Peterson, or if you want to give Zadina a run, um, whoever you want to put in the top six, there's going to be there's just gonna be more options where you're not having to kind of rely on Timo Meyer and Eric Carlson to do so much. And I think hurt, like I said, I think hurdle is going to be. Uh, I think he's going to be a little bit more selfish this year, and he should be more selfish. He's one of the best players on this team, and he's going to be relied on to kind of help drive offense this season. So um, I expect Hurdle to bounce, especially in the goal department. Um, I think Hurdle's a lock for 30 goals this year, and I could see a world, especially where a 35-goal campaign from, from Tomas Hurdle. 
And then depending on who he's playing with, we'll get into the power play here when we talk with Grandland in a minute. Um, a 40 assist campaign, a 75 point campaign from from Hurdle. Um, we, we've seen him healthy the last two seasons, right? Um, you know, again, he played a full 82 games, you know, two seasons ago. And the only reason he missed games last year was because of a suspension and then because of the birth of a child. So I think a fully healthy Tomas Hurdle, um, a deeper top six where he's going to be a focal point in providing offense for the Sharks. And I, I just better players, I, again, not as good, but deeper quality players around him. So I think Hurdle is, is a prime candidate to be a 75, leading the Sharks with 75 points this season, being their top scorer and being a, a piece for the Sharks going, uh, that fanda- foundational piece for the Sharks going forward where um, he can still be, you know, if Hurdle's your 2C behind Will Smith in the future, like sign me up for that. So um before we talk about Michael Granlin and the power play and why I think he's going to be a big boost for it and that that's going to be kind of his role for the Sharks, um, do need to take a quick break. Uh, talk to you guys about our good friends over at FanDuel. And if you want to get ready for football season, they have incredible offers at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get bet five, five bucks, get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off Sunday NFL ticket from YouTube on in YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy uh, to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. Um, you know, if there's always fun. MVP is always a really fun one for me to bet on just because of you're, you're kind of rooting for your favorite players to do good things. Um, and Patrick Mahomes, oh, just always, you know. But maybe this is the year Herbert. Maybe he takes the step. Uh, Joe Burrow. Maybe Josh Allen. Like there, there's plenty. I picking a quarterback in the AFC. Kind of just pick which one's your favorite. You got a pretty good chance of maybe winning the MVP uh, odds there. So visit FanDuel.com/slash/lockdown and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right. So Mikael Granlin. Um, I think he is a candidate to be a bounce, but have a balance back campaign. Um, he's probably slotting in as your three C right now, uh, with Nico Sturm sliding to four, Logan Couture as your two C. Um, but for him, I think it's just going to be positive regression. And I think, uh, so we'll, we'll start with that. So if you look at Mikel Grandland's numbers last year, they're, not super great, um, especially once he got traded to the Penguins. In 21 games of the Penguins, he had one goal, four assists, um, and was shooting at 2.6 shooting percentage last year. Um, before he got traded, he actually was having an okay this year with, with the Preds. He had nine goals, 27 assists, 36 points in 58 games, and was shooting a little under 11% shooting percentage. Um, his career average is 10.4 shooting percent. Um, so I think, though, with, with Granlund, I think he just had a bad end to the season, and that can happen when guys get traded, especially in midseason. You know, you look at Fabian Zetterlin, who every Devils fan talked up. Are oh, you going to love him? You're going to love him. And he played, he had a terrible end of the season, right? Um, 
just because of, I think, some guys dealing with the shock of being traded. You know, I know this wasn't Granlin's first time being traded in midseason. Um, but even if you go back and look at what happened then when he got traded from Minnesota to Nashville, at 16 games, he had one goal, four assists for five points, and shot at 3.4%. And that was way back in the 2018-19 season. Um, so maybe Granlin just not a great guy when it comes to getting traded. Um, the next season... For, for Grandland, he played 63 games, and he had 30 points in that uh, season with 13% shooting percentage, including 17 goals. So once he gets, got settled, he had a pretty good season. And then he, you know, and then he kind of tops off that 21-22 season that we're um, in 80 games where he had 64 points before kind of, again, last season, not, not as good of a season, but... Um, so I think for for Granlin, like being that three C or playing on that third line, if if you want to have Bortolo as a potential three C, but I think Granlin's going to be the three C right now. Um, going back to the hurdle argument, right? You have plenty of depth pieces there, and I think that's going to slide down, right? If you have Zetterlin or Zadina, or you want to put LeBanc on the third line, and Luke Cunningham, I know he's coming back from an injury. Um, like those are solid third line type of players, and um, you know, I think just some regression shooting wise, positive regression shooting wise, is going to lead to more goals uh, for Grandland. But I think where he's really going to make his impact is on the power play, and I think the Sharks' power play in general. Again, losing Eric Carlson and Timo Meyer is massive, but. You guys remember what Power Play 2 looked like last year? It was like Nick Benino and ba you know who basically whoever else you could throw out there. And I think again with more forward depth, quality forward depth pieces, I think we're going to see two okay-ish power plays. Um and I think Mikel Granlin is going to be one of the beneficiaries of that, especially if the Sharks run the five four chaos theory that I'm hoping that they do at some point. Um, but Mikel Granlin, he makes his money on the power play. So looking at his career stats, right? He has um, total. Uh, so total he has in his career is 340 assists, 484 points. Um, power play goals, 33 power play goals um, compared to 104 even strength goals. And then, but the assists, 112 of his 339. So it's basically a third of his power play of his assists have come on the power play. And I, th I think that is where he's going to help. That's where he's going to make his money for the Sharks this year is being a power play guy for them. And again, I don't think this power play is going to be insanely lethal, but I think you're going to see just better play on both ends because I don't think I think David Quinn isn't going to have to just run out the, the first unit for 90 seconds and then have the second unit basically just play 30 seconds to try to give the top guys a, a breather and having a more balanced power play you know between power play one and power play two is not going to just put wear and tear on these guys as the season goes on and David Quinn like you could with his when I Way back when the Sharks hired David Quinn, I went through and kind of looked at his numbers. So um, 
the power play is kind of something that he's good at improving. So um, the 2018-19 power play for the Rangers uh, ranks 17th at 19.38%. The next year, it jumped up to 7th at 22.91%. I don't expect a huge jump like that for the Sharks, but I think a another year in the system bumping up, I think a more balanced unit right we're not going to have just power play one and then uh basically just start even strength for the last 30 seconds of, of the power play um i think that's going to lead to just a better power play overall where you're not having to rely on your top guys to kind of carry the load and mikhail granlin i think is going to be a huge power play uh guy setting up right um so if you have a power just again maybe you put like hurdle and granlin and then Duclair and then Kotor, or if you want to put Kotor on the second unit, like you're going to get, you know, you also have Will Smith in there, or not Will Smith, sorry, William Eklund. Um, you have Zadina. Like you have just more realistic options. And Mike Hoffman, who can do some stuff as well. Again, it's not just going to be like your Nick Benino's and Matt Nieto's of the world playing the second power play because you just don't have enough guys. I, it is just going back to that depth and more more balance on 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 the the between the two units and um especially if you run the five forwards right where i think you're gonna have guys like either couture or grandland being maybe like the point guy for those especially grandland whose ability to create those assists um is going to lead to i think a bounce back in, in points for him so um I, I could see kind of like a repeat of what happened to Granlin, you know, after he got traded the first time. Um, so again, his first full season in Nashville, um, that was this, the, the year where he got, of course, got cut. Uh, the 1920 season got cut short by COVID, but he had 30 points in 63 games. And, you know, I could see Granlin and especially him maybe eating a little bit more on the power play. Um, like he didn't really do too much on the power play that season, but as he kind of worked his way into it, um, he became a power play, big part of the power play for the, for the Preds. And I think, um, you know, maybe looking at a potential 45, 50, I think like a 45 point season with all, most of his work being done on the power play is, is kind of reasonable expectations for Grandland going into this year. Um, you know, maybe if he has 45 points and then 20 of those come on the power play, like, would that surprise you that much? Um, you know, I think that's that's going to be where he's going to be the most useful is kind of helping to add some depth and quality to that power play. So um, before we continue and we look at another new guy, Mackenzie Blackwood, and why I, I think there there's a chance for him to uh, rebound a little bit this season be a bounce back candidate um do want to of course thank you guys for making locked on sharks your first listen again probably a part of the locked on network we cover your team every day or at least three days a week right now as we're in off season mode a couple more weeks of off season then we'll be back to five days a week as training camp is right around the corner guys so um this week make sure you guys are uh, locked in because we've got ethan cardwell um so that'll be Tuesday night, Wednesday morning for you. Um, and then we have our state of the franchise with the LA Kings. And if they can kind of take that next step to be one of the top teams in the Pacific where goaltending might be a key issue for them uh, this season. So uh, make sure you guys are following along wherever you get podcasts. And of course, uh, you can subscribe on YouTube as well. 
All right, so Mackenzie Blackwood do the Sharks acquired for a six-round pick right before the draft this season. Um, there are two things I think that could really help with him. One is he's healthy, right? And he's he's admitted the last couple of seasons he's struggled with injuries, and that is going to be, I think, Mackenzie Blackwood's going to play as well as Mackenzie Blackwood's going to be based on his health. Um, you know, and that's, that's something the Sharks are going to have to worry about is that how much do you kind of ride him? Um, you know, can he stay healthy? Uh, we've talked to before about the the kind of depth behind um, Blackwood and Capacacanin has been pretty healthy his career, but was terrible last season, right? Uh, we all know, we all watched it. And then Itu Makanemi, who's presumably the third starter, um, has also struggled with injuries, especially the last two seasons. Um, you know, hasn't finished either of season one because of uh, an injury he sustained lower. I think it was a knee injury he sustained with the Chicago Wolves. Then last year, he had some back issues at the end of the season, and they had to basically ride Aaron Delge in a playoff run. The Barracuda did at least. So uh, then after that, right, you have Magnus Krono, who's making his pro debut. Uh, Georgie Romanov, who's coming over from the, um, from Russia. Right, it gets, it gets a little dicey after that. So... Um, but I think Mackenzie Blackwood, him staying healthy is, is the biggest part of, of why I think he could be bounced for, you know, set for a rebound season. Again, Mackenzie Blackwood, if you go back in his career, he was very, very good. Um, I know it's, it feels like a million years ago, pre pandemic, but, um, he was looked at as a potential like dude for, um, Sorry, uh, for the Devils, you know, in that 1920 season that got cut short by COVID, 47 games played. He had a 915 save percentage and 277 goals against. And then he struggled with injuries. You know, that 2021 season was a little funky with COVID. Like with the bubble, you're playing the same eight, you know, seven, eight teams, whatever it was, over and over. Um, but then struggled with injuries the past couple seasons and just wasn't able to stay healthy. And, and as the team got better in front of them, you know, they, they had to kind of force to look elsewhere in goal. And I think another thing, you know, is just going to be the style of play. So I, I did some, you know, dug through some numbers on money puck here. And something that really kind of came uh, to me was freezing the puck again, kind of a weird angle but i'm gonna go with it so mackenzie blackwood in that year that he was really good 1920 season um he froze the puck 27 so he had 353 puck uh, freezes um expected puck freezes with 325 so he slowed things down right trying to slow things down in front of him um and to right you that situation you reset maybe you get fresh players out on the ice um Right, you can kind of reset your defense, and then you look at last season with the Devils. I think you know a younger team, more push. Right, you have a lot better players. Felt like it was, you know, they they were like just get the play the puck into your good players' hands and let them go do stuff. Like, like kind of keep pushing the pace. And so Mackenzie Blackwood last year had 107 puck freezes expected puck freezes was 139.7 so almost 40 um puck freezes above expected minus 32.7 you look at vita vanacek 
puck freezes last year, 195. Expected puck freezes, 325. So that that's kind of the mo for the Devils last year, which is push to play, push the play, push the play, just get the puck and get it out. So that way, you know, they try to utilize, capitalize on your player's speed, your skill, right? But maybe that's not Mackenzie Blackwood's style. You look at the Sharks, okay? Um, Reimer and Kapokakinen. Uh, Reimer had 337 puck freezes, expected puck freezes 310. Puck freezes above expected 26, almost 27 um, puck freezes above expected. Kapokakinen, 287. Expected puck freezes 264. Oh, 22 and a half puck freezes. So the Sharks want to slow it down, especially because they, especially now without Eric Carlson, where they are not going to have that kind of transition wizard on the black, the back end. I think they're going to kind of play a little bit slower, methodical pace where you're going to, okay, let's win. Let's win the draw and then work our way out instead of trying to just trying to push the play, especially when you don't have a puck moving defenseman. Right. Um, I think that's going to be their their mo is like if you're the goalie just just melt it down let's 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 reset let's we can win the draw and then try to and move the puck out that way a kind of a more methodical way and I think for Blackwood and for goalies right you can kind of yes there's going to be goals off draws you have to win the draw um, but I think that's going to be the faceoffs are going to be a, a critical part of the Sharks this season. And, you know, I think Hurdle and Couture um, and Nico Sturm and Grandland will see about Grant. But I think they, they have guys who can win the, you know, give you a fair opportunity to win the draw most nights. Not that I don't think winning faceoffs is, is the biggest thing. In the long scheme, yes, you're going to have your, your, your crucial ones. But in the, you know, the grand scheme of things, it's, who can win the battles off the draw. So, um, but for the Sharks, right, I think they're going to kind of play a little bit slower, methodical. And I think that's going to go into Blackwood's hands of being able to kind of reset, being able to kind of see what's coming in front of you. And when you play that a little bit helter-skelter, we, we saw with Eric Carlson, right? For every nine great plays Eric Carlson does, there's always that one play where it's just like, oh, and it kind of puts your goalies in a bind. So I think for the Sharks, Coming into this system and letting him let it, you know, if the coaches are saying like, just slow it down, stop it, we'll get to a face off. I think that's going to go right into Mackenzie Blackwood's style of of play and uh, being able to to kind of reset and get fresh players on the ice and not play that kind of helter skelter because the Sharks just don't have the skill to kind of push the pace that that we've um, that like the Devils do. And I know last year the Sharks, they tried to kind of be a little bit more running gun, especially in the first part of the season. But you see, David Quinn made that adjustment last year to kind of bring it back a little bit uh, right around kind of January-ish uh, when they were just kind of giving up a bunch of two-on-ones. And, and so I think there's going to be a more concerted effort this year to try to maybe play a little bit more conservatively, especially – without Eric Carlson on, on the, the roster. So I think that's going to just going to play into Mackenzie Blackwood's hands a, a bunch more. So um, what does a bounce back season look like for Mackenzie Blackwood? I think uh, for Sharks fans, just seeing any save percentage that starts with a nine is going to be a huge win. Um, you know, I can see like a nine, maybe he's, he's kind of flirting with like a ugh, two, nine 2.9 maybe anything under three for the goals against uh average um 
this team's probably gonna be really boring this season. But a save percentage that starts with a nine and a goals against average that's anywhere close to like three, you're probably gonna be like, okay, like Mackenzie Blackwood was a solid piece for the Sharks, and you only gave up a six round pick for him. So um that's gonna be it for me today. Like I said, we'll be back uh, later this week. We have Ethan Cardwell uh, makes his uh, appearance on lo- his debut on Locked On Sharks. We're going to talk about uh, a lot about his draft, you know, and kind of what happened, especially during the COVID era. Um, talk about Brant Clark and Brant Clark's really good. Um, and then, of course, speaking about Brant Clark, we talk about uh, we talk with uh, Eddie from Locked On Kings about the state of the Kings and if they're ready to kind of. But finish off this rebuild and be one of the top players in the Pacific. So uh, make sure, again, you guys are following along wherever you get podcasts. And, of course, you can subscribe on YouTube as well. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Locked On Sharks. You can follow me on Twitter and threads at My Fryhole. And until um, Tuesday night, Wednesday, bye, friends. <laughs>